You are now listening to the Funkaholics Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Funkaholics Podcast. I am your host, Nando T. Man, I have got one hell of a fucking episode for you guys today. This has been something that has been in the making for a very long time, and I actually have him here in the Funkaholic studio, front and center, face-to-face, almost like a fight, if you will, I think. I think that's what I'm feeling, Freddie. There is... This is... You know what? I'm just we're just going to get into it, man. The the the, the bell's going to ring. We're going to go one on one, mano a mano. We're just going to do this the right way. So I have Freddie Sandoval with Sandoval Fighting Systems in the studio right now. Freddie, welcome to the Funkaholics podcast, man. Hey, appreciate you for having me here. Been looking forward to this for a while. Oh man, we have been talking about this for a very long time yep. and here it is, man. Guys, I cannot tell you the respect I have for this man that's that's sitting next to me right now. This is a guy that looked me in the eyes and told me I've got we're gonna we're gonna go uh, Martin Luther King here, man. He has a dream, and uh, he followed through on all of it, guys. I can't tell you how how amazing this was. Um, the dude, word for word, verbatim, he literally followed through on everything that he was going to tell me. And he's living proof, man. I mean, this guy has been the trainer of the year in the Albuquerque, in the Albuquerque magazine. He's been signed by Bellator doing fights. He's got his own gym guys. He's training people. He'll get you into shape. This is the guy to come to. And you'll hear why exactly like exactly why you want to hire this guy just by hearing his story here on the podcast. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to get the, we're going to get in the mind of Freddie. We're going to get in the mind of a fighter and we're going to see what he goes through in preparation for these fights. And then we're also going to pick his brain, man. This guy's got an addiction that we're going to talk about too. Uh, you'll be surprised. You won't be surprised, but you'll kind of be surprised, but we'll get into it. Uh, but Freddie, uh, here at the Funkaholics podcast, man, um, we do a cheers, bro. So I want to cheers to you for being on the podcast. And uh, to another great episode. Cheers, cheers. And Freddie, you also got someone here with you, man. Is this your? Is this your? Uh, is this your manager or? Uh... <laughs> this is my personal headache. <laughs> my private headache, Jaslyn. <laughs> my youngest daughter. Welcome to the podcast, sweetie. She's over here making sure Dad says everything right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Awesome. So, Freddie, let's um before we get into the love and the passion and everything, you know, that goes with MMA, boxing, kickboxing, um, you know, all of it. Um talk to us a little bit about Sandoval Fighting Systems. What do what can we expect or what would one expect the the moment that they join with you? So we're not a big, big uh, gym or big, big team like uh, Jackson's, um, you know, American top team, the bigger teams, um, because we keep it real personal and private because we work one-on-one with every person that comes in the door. 
Um, a lot of those bigger gyms, you go in and you've got 30 people in a class with one coach and the coach doesn't know your name. Uh, they don't give you the attention you need. If you need work with your footwork, if you need work on your boxing, on your hands, your wrestling, they're not there to work with you. Uh, me and the other coaches make sure that every person in there feels part of that team. Uh, people have come to us because they've heard other guys that have been with us and that are with us talk about the brotherhood that's in the gym. Uh, and that's what it is. Um, we have a brotherhood in there. You know, We're doing things to push each other mentally physically and not just in the gym we do it outside of the gym uh we get together for for birthday parties for kids birthday parties fundraisers uh anything in the community that we can help with if somebody passes away the team steps up to help out with whatever we can do um you know we go talk at schools we, we do a lot of different stuff um uh, because we're more than just the come in and train type of place that's awesome. So that that's what you'll expect uh, to feel and, and to get that when you come in there. Um, like got uh, a family yeah. feeling going on yeah, in there. Yeah, man. it's a big it's a big brotherhood, uh, and it's not just brothers. You know, there's a couple sisters in there too. I guess um, you could say, and and kids. Um, but that's what it is. Yeah, it's a it's a big family at the end of the day. So for the people that come into this gym, um, it's not it's just not all MMA, right? Correct. Like there's. I mean, you've got core training going mm-hmm. on. You've got, you know, like, what are some type of goals that some of your members in the gym are, are going through right now? So we train everybody, all walks of life, all ages, shapes, sizes, experience. Um, you know, we've got high-level athletes on the pro circuits like Fury um, and LFA, Bellator, you know, and, and local guys fighting on there too. And not just athletes. We have your everyday run-of-the-mill normal person. We've got overweight, middle-aged men and women that come in and work out. We've got young kids that want to be athletic. We've got kids that are overweight that need to get in shape. Um, And we've got people that are already in shape looking to meet different goals. So we work with everybody. Uh, The good thing about our gym is it's... it's, it's, uh, it's not like a Planet Fitness or a Defined where you walk in and there's a bunch of people everywhere. Yeah. You know, when you walk in, there may be a couple people working out, a couple trainers with their clients, but everybody's minding their own business. Everybody's You're, focused on what they're Everybody's focused for. on what they're doing. Now, if you come in and you start snapping pictures and you're not using the equipment, people are going to make you feel uncomfortable. Okay. Because you're interrupting their time where they're trying to get better. They come there because they know that when they walk out of that place, they're going to feel accomplished. They're going to feel better as a person than they were before they walked in an hour ago. Okay. Um, so don't come in and, and waste time. You know, that's another thing, too, um, with uh, with COVID and all the death that's happened and occurred, you know, in the world the past couple of years that's more common than it was, you know, years before is time. Um, people don't value it enough. They focus too much on money and uh, material things when time is uh, time's the ultimate thing that you can't put a price on. Um, So don't waste time not trying to better yourself. Use that time, you know, whatever free time you have. You got 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'm not good at math, but, you know, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of hours. (laughs) What's 24 times seven? Get back to us when you figure it out. <laughs> but you got that. And I'm only asking for four or five hours a week. Four or five hours a week to do that. To That's make not, yourself better. You're not asking for the impossible, man. No. 
It's, it's so possible. If somebody like myself, and everybody thinks I work out all day, I do not. I do not. Um, not physically, at least. Not in the gym. But, uh, you know, as a father, you know, who takes care of his kids full-time, runs a business, trains a handful of fighters and a handful of clients, you know, and I still get shit done, and I still find time to work out, whether it's 15 minutes or I've got an hour to myself. It's better than no minutes, you know. Set the clock for 15 minutes and, you know, do five push-ups, five sit-ups, five squats, and see how many sets you can do in a matter of 15 minutes. Okay. Believe it or not, that'll make a big difference than saying, oh, it's, it's cold, it's rainy, I'm not going to go to the gym. What's the time? 158, 158 hours a week. 158 hours a week, guys. And I'm asking for four or five. That's it. You give me four or five hours out of 158, I give you results. Oh, yeah. We'll take those numbers any day, right? That's it. <laughs> Man. Um, so... That, I mean, I'm already sold, man. And, guys, just to let you guys know, uh, you know, this is radio recording. Um, you got to follow Freddie on Instagram. You meet him, you're going to see it. The dude's built like Thor, you know. <laughs> I know he probably wanted me to say the addiction, but we'll get there, man. We'll get there. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm telling you guys, uh, the moment I met him and everything, and like I said, the guy sticks to his word. He 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 lives and believes it. For those of for all of our wrestling fans out there, he lives the gimmick. He he breathes it. He speaks of it. Um, it's uh, I've been I've been following on Instagram, man, and I just been seeing the growth. Uh, can we talk a, a little bit about Albuquerque's best in the city of 2022? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What? How did how did all this come together? So it started well, initially when I met you, and I was walking to the gym behind the behind the residence every day, walking there and back, working for somebody else, building somebody else's dream. Um, it wasn't my initial plan to come out and be a trainer. I wanted to get back to barber school and beauty school and get back to hair, and then I was going to do fitness training on the side. Um, that was the original plan. Now it's... It flipped around. I'm doing the fitness thing as full time, and I do hair on the side. Um, so I was I was working at a gym for somebody else, and I was learning the ropes of things. I knew how to train myself and train athletes, but I didn't know how to train the everyday person that's not an athlete. Right. You know, and I actually I thought it was going to be a bigger challenge than it was, and it's actually a lot easier training the everyday person than it is training an athletic person and an already in shape person. Uh, it's a lot harder. So that happened. COVID happened. Um, and I just found my way during COVID. Um, I couldn't sit down. I'm not a person that can sit still, you know. Uh, you know, I wasn't around ever. I was always working, working, working. So I was training people at the park, you know. There was a lot of rules and stipulations in place for COVID, but they didn't say you can't go to a park. You know, they didn't want you at a park with 15 people. But I'm only taking one person to the park every hour. Um, and I took a kettlebell and some dumbbells and I was training people at the park for a discounted price because I know money was tight, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there that wanted to stay in shape and didn't want to gain weight and lose everything they had built up to that point just to sit on their ass at home during COVID. So that's what I was doing every day, for, you know, from seven to seven, cutting hair or training people at the park every single day. Um, then I ended up getting uh, a little room in a big building. 
by the fairgrounds, which actually ties into why I began fighting. It's it's crazy how this thing went full circle, the location and what that location actually means to uh, to the MMA part of my life. But I um, I was in there. I had a room, you know, nothing crazy. It's probably like size of a big bedroom. Um, and I started training people in there. I threw some wrestling mats down, started inviting more people in that wanted to do grappling and kickboxing. And we would do that in the evening, and I would train people uh, during the day inside that room. You know, the people that were kind of hesitant to be at the park because they wanted to work out, but they didn't want to be seen. They didn't want to go against the grind or against the line of, you know, hey, stay inside. Hey, don't go out, you know. So uh, that's where it started, you know, with a little bit of mats and uh, one kettlebell and two dumbbells. Weren't you, didn't you get put in the news also during COVID for loaning out equipment? Um, there was two instances for the news. One of them was, was doing that and helping people out of the park. And then the other instance was during Christmas. Um, the kids and I have a, a Christmas, a Christmas tradition that we do. Okay. So that was the other thing. Yeah. Nice, man. That's awesome. Um, so let's talk about. The, the, the fighting part. So when all this training was going down, was this something that started to light, light a fire inside of you? Because we've talked before and you we've you know, we've mm-hmm. you showed me the YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. I've seen you fight. Mm-hmm. Um, this was something that went away for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then was was the itch there when you started training or was this something no. that? Like how did it how did it come together? I had the initial plan once I got on my feet and got things going after 13 years that I was going to train myself, get into a gym and get trained uh, because I've I, as I sat back and watched the games evolved over the years since I last fought in 2009 or 10. So from then till you know 2019, 2020 the game changed. So what I was very good at back then wasn't going to work, so I needed to get into a jiu-jitsu school and I needed to get with a good striking coach. And uh, no, the original plan was just to get myself ready and get myself another fight or two, um, just to go in there and and you know I had something to prove to myself, and uh, that was it. So when I started training at uh, Dark Haven, uh, the jiu-jitsu school to learn jiu-jitsu, because I never did that back in the day. I was strictly wrestling, basic submission, defense. You know, the, you had to worry about a triangle, an armbar, and a rear naked choke. You know, and omoplata was the craziest of submissions back then. Now you've got honey holes and heel hooks and foot looks and all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, so once I was there, I was getting ready to fight. So I was supposed to fight in March or April when COVID hit. Uh, actually, I was scheduled to fight in Hobbs. I think it was April. And COVID hit in March. So uh, that's another reason why I got that, that room at that building so that I could train inside. You know, I needed some mats and a place to spar with people. I couldn't be doing it at the parks. Um and uh, that was it. So when I was at Dark Haven, then a couple of these young kids that were there grappling, they were going to take fights, never fought before. They didn't have coaches. They didn't have teams. Dark Haven's not an MMA school. Um, they, don't, they don't teach MMA. They don't train MMA. That's not their thing. Um, but they were willing to help us with what they could. You know, that, with, with my experience, I, I felt comfortable to get me through it. But these kids that had never fought, I call them kids, they're 20-year-old guys, um, but to me, they're kids and, uh, they were going to, they were going to fight and they didn't have the proper guidance. And, uh, although I said I would never coach until I was completely done, I, I can't let somebody go out there and do something 
without the proper help because that's what SFS was originally built on back in the day. Taking the guys that didn't have gyms and have real coaching and bringing them under our wing instead of them just going and fighting all these shows and getting used to stepping stools and getting hurt. Yeah. Because a lot of guys got hurt back in our days. Um, I was used as a stepping stool. I was fortunate enough that they picked the wrong person to do that to. So I came out unscathed. I didn't get hurt. Um, but I saw a lot of guys get hurt because they didn't have teams. They didn't have proper training. So uh, I, I couldn't let these guys go out there. So I took them under my wing and, and uh, next thing I know, SFS is it's on the fucking map again, and everybody's like, "Whoa!" You know, when we start showing up at events and shows, and they see us, and it just yeah, it just was a whirlwind effect. That is awesome, man. That is really awesome. So with with S, uh, SFS and you know you getting the opportunity, and I mean it's weird, bro. It's just weird how the world mm-hmm. how the world works. I mean one. You got the mindset of like, I'm going to get two more fights, maybe three, four, five. Who knows? We'll see how long this goes. But you're you're in the mindset of I'm going to I'm going to get back in shape. I'm going to get my training down. I'm going to, you know, I, I want to get this fight going. Then all of a sudden you've got this team around you. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, you didn't expect that. That wasn't part of the plan. Nope. And then here you are. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, it's amazing how things work out and how things can come together. So with SFS, what what's the team looking like? I mean, I know there's a lot of flyers. There's a lot of weigh-ins. Like, I know you've been posting a lot with, with this and about it, and I know you guys got a team of fighters. Mm-hmm. How, how many are in this team? I'd say we probably have... We have over a dozen guys on the team now... Not everybody's a fighter. Not every guy that trains with us is a fighter, and they're not going to compete. Some okay. of the guys come to work out with us because they enjoy the workout, and they enjoy the brotherhood. Nice. Um, SFS doesn't mean you have to be a cage fighter, an MMA fighter. Okay. Um, so if you want to join the team, it doesn't, that doesn't, that's not what it's about. As long as you're willing to come and push each other, and you're, you're open to being pushed to become better, and you're there to show up for the guys that need partners... And then, you know, you're more than welcome to. Like I said, we've got guys that they will never fight. Okay. It's not in their nature. It's not in their blend. They don't want to. They just enjoy the workouts. People watch UFC all the time. This is why I have a hard time going out to watch in UFC because then you hear people, oh, get up, get up, get up. The guys have trained professional. If he could get up, he'd get up. Yeah. Like, why are you telling him to get up? I promise if I put you in the corner right there, you can't get up. Right. So don't yell at that man who's a trained professional to get up. Um but, you know, they people watch UFC and they're like, man, I would love to do that. But nobody wants to get punched in the nose. Nobody wants to catch an elbow. Nobody wants to get their, their, their ACL blown out. Um, so they can come and train and do all that without getting the full effect, you know. And then they can join us at the way and say, you know, we go together as a team. We go together as a group, uh, as a unit, you know. And um, they show up to the fights together. Whatever we do, they are there to support us, you know. Um, now we have, yeah, we've got, I'd, I'd say, I think we've got about nine or ten guys that are actual fighters, and then we've got a couple guys that just grapple only. And then, like I said, we've got another three, four guys that they just train. Okay. So we're, we're, we're over a dozen deep. And then we've got a couple old guys from SFS back in the day that, you know, they live out of town or whatever, but they're part of the team. They When they're in town, they join, they come work out. Um, they travel with us and stuff like that, so... That's what it is, man. Um, 
all our guys are amateurs. I'm the only pro right now. Um, we do have we do have an affiliate gym that we train with, an MMA team that we train with, um, and they've got a couple pros and a bunch of amateurs. So all in all, uh, between both, we've got we've got about two dozen guys. Okay, nice so. man. And so, what are the ages between between these members? Like, is it? Well, for for the fight team or the competition side, I mean, majority of the guys, I mean, everybody's pretty much out of high school. Uh, a while back, we at the old gym, we had a couple, you know, high school kids coming in, and every now and then, somebody will bring in their cousin or their nephew or their little brother to train here and there. Um, we've got a couple prospects out of Carlsbad, uh, state champ wrestlers that are they're doing D two and D three college wrestling right now. So we're waiting for them to get through college, and then they'll be on the team. So we've actually we were actually kind of puppy milling. Okay. From family members and friends and younger kids out of high school now that want to do this because let's face it now, kids in middle school are preparing to go to the UFC as early as middle school now. Yeah. You know, they're getting black. They're getting poached like baseball. Exactly. It's crazy. It's not just regular sports. It's MMA now. Um, So yeah, that's, that's what it is. We do have a fund or um, we have a youth class we do on Mondays and Wednesdays at four fifteen. That's all ages of use. Um, right now, I think our youngest kid is maybe six years old, and we've got our oldest are 14 and 15. Okay. And they all work out together. Nice, man. So oh, yeah. it teaches the older kids how to have patience and work with the younger kids, where most schools will split those big, that, that, that big age group, they'll split them up. You know, because if you're a 15 year old, you're wanting to crack, and then the six year old obviously has no business getting cracked. Okay. But it teaches them, I teach them to discipline at an early age. How to handle that. And they're working with, with younger girls, you know, and then you've got older boys and older girls and vice versa. So it's it's a, it's a good group. And we're, we're breeding them into, like I said, the discipline. It's not just come in and work out and learn how to fight and defend yourself. It's come in and learn how to use these tools, not as a bully, not to be a pick on anybody, but how to defend yourself and defend your family and your friends if you need to. Nice. I love that. I love that, man. Uh, especially in the world that we're living in today. Yep. Um, so, you guys got any, like, I mean, clearly we got to have some pit bulls on this team, right? We got some, we got some scrappy guys. We got yeah. some where you're just scratching your head and like, this dude's gonna, <laughs> he's gonna do something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, all of our guys, all of our, all of our guys are, are scrappy, man. They're all dogs. And that's one thing you can't teach. You know, you can teach somebody how to kickbox, how to box, how to wrestle, how to do jiu-jitsu, but you cannot teach heart. And maybe a lot of our guys aren't the most talented. They're not the most athletically gifted. They got heart, though. But they've got heart. Oh, I love man, that. Man, they've got heart. Um, our 170 Greg, oh, man, this dude, he was training at Jackson's for about six years. They didn't really, they never put him into fight. So I met him at Dark Haven. He came over with us, and a uh, big change, obviously, from that big school with you know, with all the famous people and coaching around to a small, small gym. Um, and we, we get him ready for his first fight and he goes out there and uh, he fights this big old steroid kid from down south. And, you know, he's, he's taking it to him and then he just steps in, he gets caught, he gets knocked out. And he just bounces back up. He's like, cool, I'm ready to go again. Uh, that's a dog. Yeah, that's definitely. Okay. Okay. And he's one of our athletically gifted guys. Okay. Um, but his body shape doesn't put him as a scrappy brawler, but he thought he was. So he was always trying to get into brawls, 
and that's not where he needs to fight. So he kind of learned from that fight. Came out in his second fight. He etched out a, a tough decision. He got the decision. Uh, very close, but um, I knew he, I knew he had pulled it off. I knew enough he pulled it off. So he goes into his third fight, and uh, he's working this with this kid from down south. Another, it's, it's sad actually. This dude, everybody he's fought from El Paso. Poor dude, he hates El Paso now. <laughs> so every every person he's fought from El Paso, and his third guy is this big old cholo dude from like Texas prison. He's done a lot of those uh, like those backyard brawls. Like there's, oh, okay. we've, we've got we've the footage they sent us on him. Is him that was the videotape? Is him fighting in like a in like a like there's fencing, and him and another guy are scrapping inside of a fence. Yeah, wow. Like the like the Kimbo shit back yeah. in the day, but it's full MMA. It's not if you get knocked down, get back up. It's it's full MMA, and there are no uh, no gloves or nothing. So this guy had like three of those fights. Um, so you know we expected scrappiness, which is what I don't want Greg to get into. And so he goes and he fights and he gets the guy on the ground. Well, the guy up kicks him. Now, mind you, up kicking to the face is illegal in amateurs. It's dangerous. It's dangerous in pros too, but it's it's amateurs. It's dangerous. There's a lot of different rule sets for amateur and pro. And uh, so Greg gets up kicked twice, and I didn't see exactly where because I'm at the cage. I can't see closely. Well, anyways, Greg keeps fighting. They end up getting up. Greg backs up. The guy's on the cage, tired. Greg's tired, but Greg throws these three crazy karate kicks because that's his background, karate. He doesn't put no jabs in front of him. I, it blew my mind. It pissed me off. So his third one he misses. The guy comes at him. Greg spins to throw a spinning back fist. The guy comes underneath and hits him under the throat. Greg goes down. Fight's over. So Greg's out. So four days later, like, I'm pissed. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Right. Why didn't you put a jab? You know better. You are better than that. He's like, I don't remember the fight. I don't remember after getting kicked i don't remember I'm like the up kicks or yeah and i'm like he's full of shit you know he's he's just he's he's prideful he doesn't want to admit where he fucked up and so four days later it's wednesday or thursday and his i was talking to him and his voice is still raspy and i'm like what's wrong with your voice like you weren't coaching like my voice is raspy three four days after because i'm yelling the whole fight right i walk my guys to their fight and i yell the whole time so i'm like why are your voice still messing he's like, i don't know. he goes to the doctor they check him out they're like, we've got to do emergency surgery on you. Wow. So the first up kick, <clears throat> it hit something in his throat, and had it been like a quarter inch off to the side, it would have completely crushed where he gets oxygen coming through. Yeah. And and that's where you choke people out. There's a blood choke and there's an air choke, right, for those that don't know. Um, if you cut the blood off to the head, they will go out. If you cut the oxygen off, they will go out, Right. Uh, there's not a big difference in time. They're both about four to seven seconds each. So he doesn't get completely cut off. So basically, pretend you've got a straw, right, and your your air is going through the straw. Well, if I, like, pinch the straw all the way closed, you're not going to get air, and you're going to go unconscious. That's what happens when you get choked. So basically, that straw got, like, dented. So not enough air is coming through. He's only got, like, 30% of his air coming through. So that's why he doesn't remember the last minute and 20 seconds of the fight. His his body was running on autopilot. Yeah. So he finished fighting, got up through three kicks, didn't know what he was doing, all while his all while he's losing oxygen to his brain. They told him they're surprised he didn't like he could have died. And then when the guy when he spun and the guy hit him underneath his armpit and hit him in the throat, like that really could have closed that sh- potential or that uh, that straw off. Right. Um, but it didn't. I guess it just it sent the last blow that stopped the air to his head. So they went and did emergency surgery. She's got a big gnarly scar 
right here on his Adam's Apple area. <clears throat> so. Wow. Yeah. Damn. That's so, that's one of my that's one of my dogs right there. And like I said, if you look at Greg, he looks like a like a frat boy. You know, like he could play polo or something. Yeah. Pretty white boy. Um but yeah, he's And what clay, what, what weight class is he? He's a one seventy. One seventy? He's one of my main training partners. He's taller than me. He could he could be a one eighty five or he doesn't have big bone stature like I do though. But I'm small for my weight class. Um then we've got my son Ian. He's not my real son, but we call him my son. He's the problem child. Um, <laughs> so he came out and starts three dudes. Another one, like, he took a fight. And he's like, yeah, but fight. I'm like, you probably shouldn't fight because in sparring, we would throw a jab and he would cover up. Yeah. Like, he had his orbital broken sparring at his old gym. Oh, damn. So he had some PTSD going on. And, you know, me and Terry's like, well, you know what? The only way we can break this is by just throwing him in there and hope he does what the hell he's got to do. We were scared. We almost pulled him from the fight, his first fight. And uh, he had a tough, scrappy kid from Las Lunas. So he goes in there, and he starts. He just starts throwing, and me and Terrence Bowles lean back in our seat. We're like, you know, we look like, um, what are the dudes, the two dudes, um, Ted and, uh, from that old movie, uh, Ted and... Um, Keanu Reeves and the white dude. Oh, Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted. Yeah. So when they go back like this, yeah. like, oh, that's what me and Terrence, they were like, oh, who's that? Because Ian just starts throwing hands. So he just clicked the moment the man, bell rang. It was like, what the hell are we watching in here? So he goes on, he rattles three wins, and he pisses everybody off in the crowd at every fight. Like, literally a riot almost breaks out in the crowd. Now, Ian doesn't talk. He doesn't talk shit. He uses social media. He posts dumb things like talking shit, you know, getting his, his opponent's heads. Yeah. So the last fight here is third fight. We go against the Jackson Wink, Jackson guy, and uh, you know how coveted they are. They had this kid. They've been training for eight years, and he's finally, you know, 20 years old or whatever, and he's going to have his first fight. And so the coach is a UFC guy, found the UFC before, and he starts getting mad at Ian. I'm like, bro, you're 40 years old, having beef with a 24-year-old kid that walks out to Miley Cyrus. Like, what is wrong with you? It's yeah. all for fun. It's just entertainment. Yeah. You know? Um, so anyways, Ian beats the kid. Chokes him out, and you've got these three guys that fought in the UFC about to climb the cage trying to get in there to beat the shit out of Ian. God, and, man. Uh, so, you know, he's had a lot stacked against him, so I take him to Colorado, 10-day notice, right after that fight, 10-day notice, and uh, he takes a short fight for a title against a kid that's also 3-0. Tough, tough kid, very high level. The guys in Colorado are very high level because they've got a lot of UFC training camps and teams out there, you know, guys from the UFC. So, but I believe he could beat him. I really do. I wouldn't let him take the fight if I didn't believe he could beat him. Um, again, Ian's not very technical. He's not a professional boxer. He's not a great jiu-jitsu guy. He's got really good wrestling, but he's so small and frantic like and, and wiry, he doesn't get control when he gets his takedowns. But he's got heart. Yeah. Well, anyways, he gets his jaw broken in the fight. Yeah, he's beating the shit out of the guy. He gets dropped, goes down. And he's resting because he thinks he's safe. And he gets clipped underneath with his jaw hanging. And he gets his jaw broken. And they put like three plates, two plates. And his jaw was bad. Bad break. So we talked. I go, take nine months off. Okay, your surgery is going to be about three months for you to recover. And then after that, we're going to take about six to nine months off. Give him a year. That was the plan. Then we'll get back into He's going to train after he recovers in three months. But he's not going to fight or compete for nine months to a year. The kid can't help it. He can't help himself. He wants to get he back, wants in, to there. Get back <laughs> in there. And it's like four months later. So they have this really tough, kicking little black kid. 
Um, I don't know. What he's, he's like from Africa or something, man. Really, really hard kicking kid. Another one. He's like two and three. Not a winning record, but he's fought very good guys. Uh-huh. So we go up there. I take him back to Colorado. He's beating the guy. He he eases up. Guy throws a big kick, knocks him down. Guy hits him in the back of the head. Now, illegal. Ref doesn't see it. So he encircles around. He's in that same position where he got his jaw broke. So. You know, he starts getting a little bit of flashback stuff, and the guy hits him in the back of the head again, and that's when the ref finally sees it. So they stop the fight. When that happens, they give you five minutes to recover. Well, I can tell he's incoherent. He's not going to recover in five minutes. I've been doing this long enough. Yeah. And he's an amateur. He does not get paid to do this. He says, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I said, no, you're not. He says, yes, I am. I said, I'm calling the fight. He said, no, it's not fair, it's not fair. I said, it is fair. He said, no, you got kneed in the nuts and in the face. Because I had just fought in Arizona, and I took those two illegal knees, and I still kept fighting. He's like, but you didn't. And I said, but I'm a pro, and I'm old. I don't give a shit. Yeah. You're young. You have a future ahead of you and a career ahead of you. You're my responsibility. Exactly. That is my number one thing for my guys, my fighters and my clients, their safety. That's number one over everything. I don't care about fame. I don't care about money, none of that. Your safety is my number one. So he wanted to continue because that's how tough this kid is. Now, you're not going to think it because he comes out with bleached curly hair and yeah. tight little pink shorts, and they play Miley Cyrus. He plays Miley <laughs> Cyrus when he comes out of Justin Bieber. Yeah. So, and that's why people get mad, and they get mad when they lose to him because I'd get mad too if I lost to a kid with pink shorts and curly hair that just came out to Justin Bieber. Like, right. of course I'm going to be pissed. You know, and rightfully so, so whatever. So that's his mind games. That's his, you know, that's his persona. Um, so he's a tough one too. Um, all I mean, fuck, but all of them are. Rob Scorheim, uh, Ian fights at twenty five. He's fought one at thirty five. Rob Scorheim's four and zero. He fights at fifty five, but he had his last two fights at one seventy. Uh, he walks around pretty heavy. He's a pretty big kid. Um, he's also uh, one of our athletically gifted guys, but he's really, really good on the ground. He wrestled in high school, uh, and he's really good in jujitsu. I think he's a purple belt, maybe. Um, like, I have to really bulldog him with my wrestling and use my strength to, to beat him. Um, I can't go technicalities with him because he's that good. But he fought two guys that were way bigger than him, and he beat them both. He took them both to distance. Uh, I believe he could have finished both fights had he listened. But, you know, it's hard to listen when you have the nerves and the adrenaline going inside of you in right. that cage. Um, we have a cage in the gym, so we get to mimic and, and get these guys comfortable to a lot of that, but at the end of the day, I cannot mimic the adrenaline. I can't mimic the crowd. I can't mimic the lights. Um, I can only mimic the fight. Okay. Minus those things. And it just takes practice and repetition and getting in there to learn how to absorb the adrenaline, to not let it take over you, because you will have an adrenaline dump. It may be your first three-punch combination you throw. That adrenaline comes dump, and you're like, I'm fucking gassed, tired. Yeah. I can't breathe. You're blown up. Yeah, what happened, coach? We've been training for eight weeks. I just ran 10 miles a day every day. Yeah. And I can't breathe right now. It's the adrenaline taking over. So I do my best uh, to, to, to to mimic all that stuff, but some things I can't, you know. Um, but uh, all our guys, we've got Manny Nahara. He's coming back. Um, he was 2-0. and He beat Ty Miller, who's uh, he's a big name from FIT. Um, Manny took a four, four day, four, four day notice fight with him before he was with me a long time ago and upset the world, um, by beating this kid. And, um, 
his last fight he had. Actually, him, Greg, and Antonio had a fight in Clovis. We go to Clovis, weigh in, everything's good. Saturday morning at 10.30, my dad calls me and says, the fight's canceled. What are you talking about? The fight's canceled. He said, the arena flooded. Oh, and, man. And, like, I don't know if you remember my dad. He likes to joke a lot. He talks a lot of shit. Yeah. So I was like, nah, <laughs> bullshit. So he's like, yeah, yeah, go look at... So I go pull up the, the Facebook, and sure enough... It's flooded. The fucking arena is flooded. The cage is floating. The chairs are floating. So the fight's off. I've never seen that in my entire career, fighting since 2005. Never seen that happen. Um, so anyways, Manny loses his shit. Now, the one you say where you're scratching your head, he's just, this is the kid. That's the one that I scratch my, because he's such a pain in my ass. Yeah. But he's so tough. Like, this kid will go, like, if I tell him, hey, we need to go beat somebody up, he's like, he'll grab the baseball bat, put his cowboy boots on, and let's go. Yeah. He's not going to question it. <laughs> you know? He's just going to go. He's that kind of kid from Carlsbad. <clears throat> um, he's got a big chip on his shoulder. So he went and fought this this one real good kid. Uh, so he had a he had a rough weight cut because he went and screwed up, started eating again. Even I told him the fight's going to come back. Just stay in shape. Just stay ready. He didn't do it. He went and screwed up. He likes, uh, he likes eating Mexican food a lot, a lot of carne. So he bloomed back up, had a bad weight cut. Um, like, he looked jaundice. Um, didn't want him to take the fight. Still took it. Um, they put a belt on the line to incentivize him. And he was winning the fight. And had we had like 10 more seconds, I believe he would have won the fight. He would have finished it. Came out in the second round. Couldn't, he, he blew his load the first round trying to take this kid down. I don't know why he didn't use his hands. He didn't punch once, which is weird because he knows how to punch a kick very well. Um, and then he got split open uh, pretty good. Then the week before the fight, he got split open because he went and did another round after I told him sparring's over. He got cut open right as I walked to my office. Oh, so I had to go stitch him up at home that night, which was for Greg's birthday. So we didn't go to go out with Greg for his birthday because I was at my kitchen sewing him up. Um, so that was what he needed, though. I was going to pull that fight because I knew where he was mentally. It wasn't there. But sometimes you have to let them get burned. Yeah, they got to learn. They got to learn the hard way. Um, and as a coach and as a parent, it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch that. But I had to let it happen. And he's been out for a while now, but he's making his comeback. Okay. Um, he's encouraging to everybody. He's telling everybody to get into the gym. He's showing up before work. You know, I'm in there with clients, so I see him come in, and he's doing 30, 40 minutes on the bag. He's cleaning up his eating, so he's another one to watch out for. Um, he's not physically gifted, but um, but he's 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 wrestled and done that his whole growing up, so he's very aggressive, and he's talented, but it's just he's a hardhead, knucklehead. Okay. A lot of these, a lot of these kids that are coming through and everything—is it like a lot of wrestling backgrounds, or they just got like a little bit of mix? Like you mentioned, one's got a karate background. No, but they're all different walks. They're it's all, all different. different Antonio doesn't have any wrestling or karate. He's got mainly like street fighting background. Okay. Um, he's got really, really phenomenal footwork. Um, he's going to be making his comeback now too. Um, Ian came from wrestling, Manny came from wrestling, Rob came from wrestling, Greg came from karate, we've got our new heavyweight Gabe and CJ, they both came from wrestling. Uh, who else am I missing? Uh, Santiago's new with us, he's got like a like a karate boxing type background, I think. Who? Henry doesn't fight anymore, Henry's just an old wolf, an old dog. Uh, but he's in the gym there. He's getting himself in shape is what he's doing. 
He's kind of like where you're at. Okay. He wants to get himself back in shape. So he's coming down. The first thing he's doing is he's walking on the treadmill every day. Nice. And while he's walking, he's watching us train. So that's giving him motivation to keep walking because he wants to be back on the mats one day. Not to fight, but just to help the guys out. Yeah. That's awesome, man. um, Yeah. So he's there. Um, I feel like I'm missing some. I know I'm missing some people, but I can't think of it right now. But, I mean, we're not, I mean, a lot of people come from wrestling here, you know, um, but we, some people don't have no background, like I said. Do you ever have any dude that walks through and is like, oh, Freddie, I'm the next best thing or anything like that? Then you get him in there and it's completely like, dude, what happened to all this experience you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, everybody's got a plan. Everybody's the shit till they get hit in the face. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, some of those guys, don't. they don't come back. And then some of the guys that think they want to do this because they watch UFC and they think it's easy and they watch the Ultimate Fighter. Right. And then they come in, they don't come back. And we're not dicks. We're not assholes. You know, my guys don't beat the shit out of the new guy. You know, we don't do that. We don't do that at our gym. That's frowned upon. Um, And I make it known, hey, new guy. Everybody knows the new guy. Like I said, we're not that big. Um, Don't take it out on him because you were once that new guy. How How would you have felt? You know, so everybody makes everybody feel real welcomed. If they don't come back, it's because they realize this isn't for them. Okay. And I've had a, guys that fight, and they've had fights before. They've come and trained with us. They have not come back to train, and then they've still taken fights, and they've lost. Wow. Because they could not handle the type of training that we do. Because like I said, I make sure my guys are ready. Because I've been through almost every situation you can in that cage with over 20 fights myself. I've seen a lot of shit, and I've experienced a lot of shit. And coaching and training other guys and being a coach back in the day. Um, uh, I mean, I was a coach, but I wasn't. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, your your fighters go mm-hmm. through these, you know, these trials and tribulations, yeah. and they learn. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing for you, you yeah. know what I mean? And I feel that's the make of a fighter Yeah, is going through all that, it is. learning that, you know what I mean? Because... I mean, let's be honest. You can't be a fighter without a resume. Exactly. You know, and it's uh, that, that that's that's great, man. I I, I love all that. So let me ask you because we're gonna get into you. Mm-hmm. Um, but with does SFS have anything coming up? Like, is there anything on the horizon that we should be watching for? So we're going to do um, the gas and oil UFP. Um, it's a big grappling event. They do grappling and wrestling in Carlsbad. Jimmy Westfall, he was an old school shoot fighter from back in the day, before my time, uh, did King of the Cage and stuff like that. Very, very respected man uh, in the fight game back then. Um, he's going to be doing his promotion coming up soon. Um, we've competed in his last two events. I won uh, two. I'm, I'm, his, uh, I'm actually his Southwest middleweight champ uh, for that event. Beautiful title that Correct. we're looking at right now. That, that's one of them. My other one's a green one. Um, for my Celtics. So, um, and then a couple of my other guys are champions also for him. Um, so that is coming up July 11th or something, maybe. So we'll be in Carlsbad just grappling. Um, Ian Varela is going to make his Fury debut, which is on UFC Fight Pass, June 11th in Houston. And then Rob Scorheim is going for his second title in a different promotion June 25th, I believe. Whatever that week, whatever that Friday is, uh, Scorheim will be making his title fight. 
Um, so Scoreheim just won on oh, June 23rd. So Scoreheim just won the 155 belt for Rage in the Cage in Arizona a couple months ago. So he was supposed to fight for Colorado Combat in Denver uh, last month, but he got injured and sick, so we pulled the fight. He's going against a, 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 an Olympic qualifier in wrestling, Greco-Roman wrestling, this kid Nick Tarpley. He's also undefeated at 3-0. Rob's 4-0, but with, in two different weight classes. Um, so it's going to be a hell of a fight. They were looking forward to that fight last time. Um, and then we, they didn't think we were going to get to see it because Tarpley was supposed to go pro after that fight, but it didn't happen. So they were, I guess they decided to keep him amateur still, let him get another amateur fight, which I think is a wise choice to do. Um, the kid's a great wrestler, great grappler, but he doesn't have, I didn't get to see no striking. In his three fights, there's no striking. Okay. To me, you need to have striking and grappling before you can go pro. And that's what the amateurs is all about. A lot of people look at me as a coach and maybe think I'm not a great coach because I let my guys take very risky fights. But like I said, how are they going to learn if right. they don't get in there and fight? And then the great thing about amateurs is you get to hit the restart button. It's like a video game. You die, you get to hit reset. When you're an amateur, you get to hit reset. So it doesn't when you become matter. a pro, there's not... There's no reset. Your record stays with you. Right. Okay? Like, my record's a mess. If you look online, my record's a mess. It shows a losing record. Fortunately, they've got a couple of my good wins on there where I've had really good fights, but I'm missing a few title fights and a lot of other fights because they just weren't they weren't turned in. But if you go look on YouTube, you're like, well, damn, how the f- you got 20 fights on here, but online shows a dozen. Yeah. You know, so... Um, and people that have been around know I've got more fights than that and more wins than that. Um, so... Um, but I don't pad my guys. A lot of these gyms and coaches do. They pick fights for their guys. They handpick their fight. I don't care. I'm going to let my guy fight whoever. As long as I don't think they're going to get killed or hurt yeah. bad, I'm going to let them fight because they are going to learn. Because I, I don't think the guy across from them can give them any more hell than me and my team can give them. Right. Now, if I think you can give them more hell than we can, I might not let them take the fight. But so far, we, don't turn, we haven't turned down no fights. Okay. And it's testament to my record. Look who I've fought. Short notice fights, big fights. Look at Ian. Look at Rob. Greg. Short notice fights. They lose. Sure, we lose. Everybody loses except for Khabib. Yeah. You know, um, but he got away before he could lose. Right. You know, and if you look at his record, a lot of people don't do this because people that if you watch UFC, they don't go look on Sheer Dog and Tapology to look at records. But if you look at Khabib's first handful of fights before he went to the UFC and the big shows, they were on his dad's promotion, and he was fighting guys that were like one in twelve. Right. Two and eight. So he's fighting guys that may have fights, but they're all loser fights. Yeah, they don't look at the history. They just, they like what's in front of them right at the moment. So it doesn't matter if you're 10-0 and 0 as an amateur or 1-10. Nobody gives a shit as an amateur. When you go pro, you're going to make the same amount of money as if you had 10 fights or no fights. Amateur is a practice leading to the that's big. All so. that's okay. all it is. I got you, man. That's all it is. I love that. I, I love that view on it. That's, uh, that's, really, that's really awesome. Um. So let's get into let's get into Freddie. Mm. <laughs> um, where where did this all start, man? When you were a kid, when did you decide that I'm going to be a fighter? I didn't. Um, Do tell. <laughs> I think I was I was um, I think that's what life put me to do. Um. Like, the growing up and the struggles I had to go through. Okay. So, not a physical fight, per se, like in the cage, um, but life's always been a fight for me. 
Okay. Um, dealing with family issues, um, you know, going to higher end schools and not being privileged and rich, um, you know, being the not rich kid or the not not the kid whose parents were together and married for twenty years, yeah, or being the Hispanic kid in a white school in the nineties, the perfect television correct, life, correct. So I, I think I've I was always I was always fighting for something, um, but I didn't know it uh, when I actually got into this. I mean, I, we grew up watching wrestling. My dad was uh, um, he still is he's he's. Is not as big a fan as you, maybe more. <laughs> he doesn't have the toys, but he's got a lot of shit. Like if you saw some of the stuff he had, you'd you'd wow. Um, so we grew up watching wrestling. So violence, I call it violence because it is was part of our nature growing up. And then, you know, we would wrestle and box with each other in the apartments in the neighborhood growing up. When we got old enough to fight, my dad would take us to fights. When we got in fights with other kids, my dad would take me and my brother and our friends, and he'd sit there and watch us fight. You know, don't get your ass kicked because you know what's going to happen. You right. Know, if you come home. So that's, I guess that's kind of where it, it got ingrained. And my mom was on the opposite side because she worked for the government. She worked for the law. She was a, she worked for APD. So she was on the other side of that. She didn't condone it. She hated it. So I grew up playing baseball my whole life. Um, then I go to uh, El Dorado to play baseball. Um, again, not privileged, not white. But I played All-Stars for nine years at Roadrunner, and um, I don't even make the second cut of the baseball team. Interesting. But you got kids that can't even hit a baseball. They can't catch a ball. But Mommy and Daddy donated to the fundraising club or whatever. They're politicians, so they went, got on the team. Went through the same thing at West Mesa. Yeah, so, um, so I ended up picking up wrestling. I wrestled for the high school team because my best friend wrestled. He's like, yeah, just come do it. And I was like... My mom will never go for this. I was like, no, just leave early. We'll head out early. Like, we'll, cool, we'll be good. We'll be good. Yeah. So I did. And then, you know, finally she was like, why is this kid leaving at six o'clock in the morning, you know, in the winter? And she showed up to, I think, my first or second wrestling meet at Del Norte. <laughs> I thought I was doomed. <laughs> I thought I was dead. Because we used to call her the warden. That's how rough my mom was. Um, but she, she stood behind me, dude. She backed me up. She took me after that after that match to go buy my own wrestling shoes because I did not have my own wrestling shoes. <laughs> and um, so I think doing that is what what primed me for this. You know, it primed me for all this. Um, the last straw was, as I mentioned earlier, um, where I ended up starting the fit facility or my fit gym in that little room was on San Pedro and Copper. There's a big empty building right there across from the fairgrounds. So one night, a bunch of buddies and me were coming out of the fairgrounds, and we got into a fight with a bunch of gang members uh, in that parking lot, in that very parking lot that I opened my gym in. And, like, it wasn't just for punching fights. Like, there was 30, 20, 30 guys, and there was, like, seven of us. And my brother was in the in a car with our other friend that drove because they went to get the car to get us. And instead of them driving to pick us up to get in the car to get out of there because they can't get through there's so many people they just start driving and my brother's like hanging out hitting people with the tire iron that's how many people there were against us knives started getting pulled out uh broken bottles so i was like okay i can't keep doing this no more uh you know you're you're four from around the same era like we could go get in a fight back in the day if we were at a party we get in a fight outside in the backyard and we come in and we have a beer together and it's yep. over you shake the other guy's that's hand it. 
That's it. If you're at the mall, you get in a fight, you go inside, you go, cool, you're about it. Yeah. Things started changing. Early 2000s. Mid 2000s. Um, and there was a lot of stabbing, shootings, and all that. And I was like, this is getting too much for me. So that's when I decided I was done fighting on the streets. Um, and then coincidentally, I ran into a kid two weeks later that I went to high school with. And he said he was doing jujitsu. I was like, what the hell is that? And he told me what it was. I was like, oh, I don't know. He's like, well, my coach can get you into King of the Cage. So we know what King of the Cage was because we knew Diego a little bit back then. You know, yeah. He's like two years older than us. So we knew what that was from watching him. Um, so I was like, and he's like, you get paid to fight and you don't get in trouble. And I was like, what? <laughs> right? I can get paid and I won't get in trouble and I don't get jumped or stabbed? I was like, yeah, sign me up. So this is the other crazy twist to my story. So where the guy was teaching is on San Mateo and Candelaria, and that was back, it used to be Rosales Kickboxing. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, right behind uh, Peter Piper. Yep. So that gym now is my jiu-jitsu gym, Dark Haven. So it's so crazy that the two places, the place that made me decide to stop fighting on the streets and the place that I first went to to get away from the streets, those two places are now intertwined with my story now, where I'm starting and where my new growth began at Dark Haven. Um, so that's how that all panned out. And um, That's crazy, that man. Was in, that you was should, in 2005. You stayed close to your upbringing, yeah. like your your roots. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's crazy. I would have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, when when my dad showed me the building, I was like, holy shit, the parking lot out here is where all that shit happened that night. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Talking about everything coming into a circle. Mm -hmm. Yep. So... Um, so that's why I'm like, you know, I can't just give it up. I've got to keep going because it was, you know, these places have semblance or semblance or whatever it's called. They have meaning to them. Yeah. For me. So we, okay, so you finally discover like, hey, you know, I can get paid to be a fighter. Mm -hmm. I can train. I can do all these mm -hmm. things. So what was the first amateur fight for you? Was it... I didn't have amateur fights. We didn't have amateur back then. When I started, my first fight was December 10th, 2005. Was it like a smoker? No, it was an actual show, Desert Extreme. It was like okay. a sister promotion to King of the Cage. Um, our coach, like I said, he knew how to get, he knew contacts. Uh, the guy, Jim Burleson, Comic-Con Jim Burleson, uh, was the promoter of okay. the fights. And uh, so, coach was like, yeah, you guys want to fight? Cool, yeah, yeah. We had only been training with him, mind you, like two months. But we were just such good street fighters, such good scrappers with good wrestling. Yeah. He felt confident we could go in there and kick ass. You know, there was three of us. Uh, the other, the third guy, um, not really good wrestler, but he was, you know, a little tough Mexican kid, striker. Okay. So he had good kickboxing. Um, so he signed us up. And uh, we went down there and we swept the show. We went 3-0 and that night. We won. We won three and zero, and that was the first fight, December tenth, two thousand and ten. Uh huh. What was that like for you? Do you can you recall like the feeling, um, being in there, the yeah. aftermath, like? So it was cool going to the weigh-ins and stuff, and then I see my opponent, you know, and like he tried to psych me out wearing these weird contact lenses, and he had the name Cue Ball tattooed on the back of his head. 
And I was like, oh, like you know, and I was just like, I want to kill this. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, Tito, Tito Ortiz was one of my favorite fighters growing up. Oh, me too, man. Yeah, so. <laughs> you either love him or you hate yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. So, um, watching him growing up, I had that, that little attitude, you know. So, uh, we go in the Knights of the Fights, get wrapped, I'm ready to go. I go in the cage first, um, and I remember, I remember this one clearly. I'm standing in the cage waiting for him, and this dude's coming out, and he's just doing his little solo walk to the cage, and I'm just shaking the cage inside. Like, I feel like these dudes, road warriors, are yeah. shaking the ropes, and I was shaking the cage, and I was like, mimicking to him, like, get in here, ah. <laughs> acting like a complete idiot. Um, and then he got in the cage, and I was like, yeah, I'm biting my mouthpiece, and I'm looking across, and I'm bouncing, and then I hear the cage... I hear nothing but silence, and the cage just go clink, clink, click. And I look over, and the cage is shut, and the ref's like, fighter, are you ready? I look, and I guess I shook my head yes, but in my head I was saying no, no, no. And I just hear clap, and I see this guy circling, and I was like, and I held my breath for the whole, I think it was like a minute and 23 seconds. And I just remember the coach yelling, and uh, I was so fucking scared. Yeah. For as f- f- soon as I heard that thing latch, my heart started booming. And not in a good way. It was that fight or flight. And mine wanted to flight. I did not want to fight. And I was like, dude, you were just shaking the cage, acting like an asshole. Like, you need to get over there and finish this. Yeah. So I did. I ran across the cage, started swamping this fool, laid him out. He tried to go, f- try to grab my leg or something. I pulled out and just started beating the shit out of him. And they stopped in like a minute and 20 seconds. Some minute 20 something. So I'm like still holding my breath. They open the door. Cage comes in. Coach grabs me and he's like, breathe, breathe, breathe. You're going to pass out. And I had a double mouthpiece at the time like an idiot. And I, so I finally got it out and I was like. <gasps> and it was the greatest feeling ever, dude. It was Damn. like, it was euphoric. It was, it was euphoric. And I was like, well, this is a rush. Yeah. This I want to do it again. This is a rush. I've got to do this again. Yeah. So, okay, so we got that out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, when does it start where you're looking at it and like, I want to start putting more pieces to the puzzle? Like, I want to become like an elite fighter. I want to be well-rounded. Like, because your background is street fighting, right? Mm-hmm. And wrestling, some wrestling. Fighting, yeah. So when do we start adding in kickboxing, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, grappling, like all... So that really didn't You come. start becoming a mixed martial artist. So that, I mean, back then there wasn't all that to it. You know, yeah, there was basic Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but you got to remember back in those days, whatever gym you went to, you had to stay at. You couldn't cross-train at other gyms. So I couldn't go to Gracie Baja or actually back then it was Alberto Cranes and couldn't go really train there, you know, to learn jiu-jitsu because it would have been frowned upon. So I only stayed with that coach, Baca, for like three fights because i come to find out we were getting paid 500 bucks a fight and he was keeping it, which is cool. I didn't need the money back then. I had my own yeah. businesses. I did it for fun. But at least tell us and then put the money into the gym. Yeah. He went and bought himself a new car and this and that. You know, wow. Like, like you could have bought some bags for the gym. We didn't have no bags. We have a little room with some mats. Yeah. And it's fine. We can do that. But we just made you 1500 bucks three times in a row. Put some money up for us, dude. Yeah. So that pissed us off, so we all Invest left. in your fighters. Yeah, so we left, and that's when I went to Los Vatos for a while, and I tried to pick up my boxing because we had some really good boxing coach, uh, oh, dude, Ronnie Durant, remember? Back, Los, Los Vatos. Vatos. Remember that? Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> yeah. Ronnie and Ronnie. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I was over there for a while. Um, Jim got me in to do The Ultimate Fighter uh, season three, but I was in a little bit of a trouble back then, so I couldn't go. 
Like, you would think they would have let me go because, like, oh, this is a good play. Good. Get you out of town. Get you out of here, and you can better your life. But right. our system's not built like that. So I missed that opportunity, and then I got the opportunity to go back, I think, season five or season seven, whenever Rampage and Forrest were the coaches. I got an uh, invite to go back to that season. But, again, my troubles still plagued me, so I, I couldn't go. So it's weird how I missed out on those opportunities. But I look back now, and I think I could have beat the guys that, that were there. But I don't think I was mature enough to handle the whole of everything. Yeah. Like, looking back now, I don't think I would have been able to handle all that. I, I wouldn't have made it. And are you talking about everything that comes with the UFC, Correct. the television, yeah. the mm-hmm. exposure? Mm-hmm. Yep. I got you. I hear you. Because I let my head get so big here locally that I stopped training like I used to. I stopped doing everything that I was doing that made me a winner. And I got away from that. I, I got, got away you. from my winning ways because I let the... The fame and the fandom get to me here. You know, oh, dude, then the UFC would have just been I, major I overload. Yeah, I wouldn't have trained. I wouldn't have died. I would have got embarrassed. I would have got hurt. I would have been a, a laughing stock. So I look back, and I'm glad it didn't happen, you know. Um, but uh, so I worked on my hands. I I never fancied myself a boxer or a kickboxer. Only reason I learned how to kick was out of fear. So guys would come wrestle and attack me, and I would just throw kicks. Like, that was my defense mechanism. Yeah. And they're like, holy shit, you kick hard. So I started throwing kicks in my fights and started taking folds out with kicks. I didn't practice them. I just threw kicks. Okay. And threw kicks. Um, And then I fought a guy downtown, and uh, they were from South Carolina, him and his buddy, and they were a little garage gym, um, you know, and I was on my own at that time. So we teamed up, and uh, that's when SFS became a team. And uh, Josh, the the, the other guy, not the guy that fought, but the other guy, his buddy, he learned, he had Japanese jiu-jitsu um, background. So, again, it was very basic jiu-jitsu, rear naked choke, um, arm bar, triangle choke. Okay. Was it. it wasn't all this crazy shit that you have now. Yeah. So I knew the basics just to get out of them. But it's weird because I have, a, I have like, a lot of my fights ended with submission. It's, it's so, so weird because I'm not a submission guy. But a lot of my fights ended with submissions. Um, but, like I said, it was, it was this 10-year-off that told me if I'm going to do this, I've got to become well-rounded. I've got to dig in deep into jiu-jitsu. So I went to Dark Cave, and I started as a white belt. You know, and I was okay with that. I was okay with that. A lot of people didn't understand it. They are like, was that Freddie? Is that the fighter? How's he only a white belt? Because they make you raise, raise your hand if you're a white belt. Okay, you can't, he'll hook these guys. You can't do this with these guys. And I'm like, whatever, okay. You know, I'll just take the baby steps. Um, so... That's that's when it that's it's humbling that too though. Yeah, huh? yeah, yeah. That's everybody needs that. But I was humbled long before that. Right. In my vacation time. So that's that humbled me. And but I mean you're also I mean that's respect though cuz I can hear it in your voice mm-hmm. when you're talking about it. You know what I mean? Like when other people, you know, you run from somebody down the street and like, "Oh, dude, you know, mm-hmm. white belt, why are you wearing that? Mm-hmm. Shouldn't you be this already?" You know what I mean? Um that's beautiful. I mean, yeah. that's that's something that, you know, that like I said, it's it's that upbringing that pushes it up even more, and you got respect for you got respect more for a, a person, a fighter, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to these ones that just want to get rich quick, or you know, and, and they're not gonna make it exactly. Um, I and I mean, I won't go down the ramp, but I'll make the comparison to like the Paul brothers mm-hmm. and all that bullshit, like yeah. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a black mark on the sport, but like I said, it's going to come to them. It'll come sooner or later. Um, 
so talk to me, Freddie. What? Let's talk. You know what? Let's get into Bellator. Um, because we we already talked about taking short, you know, taking fights on short notice. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the planning like in that? Because I'm looking at some of your photos here, and I do see some of the, <laughs> you know, some of the body maintenance that we do here, and and one of them is cupping. Yep. It looks brutal. It was. <laughs> you don't feel, it doesn't feel brutal at the time. It doesn't feel brutal. You actually feel relief. It doesn't hurt. People think cupping hurts and it doesn't. And if you've never been cupped, I suggest you go cup. So cupped. it just looks bad afterwards. It looks bad. Right? It's not bad. It's, not, it's phenomenal. Trust me, it's phenomenal. If you don't and you haven't got it, go get a massage and get cupping. Uh, give uh, Star Velasquez a holler at Aurora Beauty, A-U-R-A. She's on Coors and Delane. Uh, you can find her on social media, A-U-R-A Beauty, um, or Star Velasquez, and she will take care of you. She awesome. Has, she has done my recovery and my repair, and that, uh, along with the El Chino Mills, has allowed me to stay and look how I look and be able to do this uh, at such a high level because of the food and the proper recovery. If that's all I need to do, man, I'll go <laughs> sign up my session now, and I'll be there to pick up El Chino Mills right now. <laughs> I'm telling you, it, it works like that. It's legit works like that. So, right. so with with all this, you know what I mean. Bellator contacts you, mm-hmm. Freddie. We have a fight. You want to take it? What was your first? What was your first reaction? Was this something you're like, wait, I got to see what's going on, or was it like, no, I didn't believe it because I've gotten those. I so it wasn't it wasn't uh, necessarily Bellator. It was a mutual friend. Uh, it was a friend of a friend that hit me up, um, and I didn't believe it at first. And uh, they called because I had got this before. Hey, they need you to find. They need you to find. I've heard this before, right? Yeah. And nothing ever came of it. So I was like, "Well, it is what it is. No big deal." And then they called again the next day and hit me up. And the next day, I'm like, "No, we need you. Can you have this? Yeah, that." I'm like, "Yeah, I've got all that done. I'm ready to go." I'm like, "Yeah, okay. All right, cool. You're in." Well, I don't believe shit till I get a contract. Okay. So I'm actually taking her to school the next morning. And uh, we're actually right where we just get off the freeway, and I'm, I get on the phone, and I check the Bellator website, and I almost wrecked right here through Ladera. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, I told her, and she's like, what? And I think I dropped the phone. Did you pick the phone up? Did I have the phone in my hand, remember? And there it was. It wasn't my picture, because they didn't have a picture of me, but it said Romero Cotton versus Freddie Sandoval. And it was just a blank cutout, no image, but it had my name on there, and I was like, holy it's yeah. happening, it's happening, I told her. And she's like, watch the road. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, so it uh, it was crazy. And then they, they sent me the contract that afternoon. Yeah, there was a little bit of negotiations in between. Um, but it was resolved real quick. It was all handled really quick. And um, shit, man, it, that was, it was a quick thing. So what is that? So kind of walk us through. Like it, it okay. wasn't my way. I know when we had first met, I talked about doing that, and it wasn't how I planned to do it. I planned to get a couple local fights first, and then get into Bellator or combat there. Um, but it didn't go like that. Like I said, um, they called right away. I hadn't fought in thirteen years. I hadn't really been training either. Like, I was training and working out, but I wasn't training for a fight. Yeah. You know, I was doing bare basic jujitsu and stuff like that and doing my workouts and stuff with my guys. Nothing crazy. Like I said, nothing crazy. Um, and that's it. You know, I just, I, 
I mean, how can you turn that down? You know, you can't turn that down. Right. You can't turn an opportunity like that down, whether you're ready or not. I can't. I'm not that person because I've had lightning strike once. I upset the world once with Drew Fickett. And I think, well, I, I don't know if it was an upset in Mexico, but for sure Drew Fickett was an upset. I wasn't supposed to win that fight. Obviously, I wasn't supposed to win this fight neither, and I was winning the fight till I wasn't. Um, but if I'd been prepared eight weeks, I would have won that fight. For yeah. sure, hands down, hands down. Hands I believe down. that. I was beating him on the feet. Um, I, I did that submission roll, and I got excited. And I learned that literally three days before the fight, that Omanari roll to the heel hook. I learned that three days before. Uh, actually, Greg, me and Greg practiced it. Because they flew us out to Missouri the week of the fight for a whole week because COVID protocol. So I was stuck in the hotel for a week, couldn't go nowhere. So I was like watching film, like, well, what am I going to do to beat this guy? He's so fucking big. And he's a phenomenal wrestler, so I can't do what I like to do, wrestle him. Right. He's the only guy in um, Nebraska State. And Nebraska, I think it's Nebraska. And that's like one of the top three wrestling schools in the country. He's the only person to do what he did three times in a row. In over 100 years. So I was like, there's no way I'm going to take him down. I could try to knock him out, which was the plan. I can't choke him. He doesn't have a neck. He's too big for me to get on his back. I can't arm bar him. He's too fucking strong. I can't knee bar him. He's too big for that. I can't triangle choke him. He's too big. Small joint manipulation. I could do that. Look what Frank Mir did to Brock Lesnar. Right. Brock Lesnar was a monster compared to Frank. Frank Mir's a big guy. But Brock Lesnar's a bigger guy. Yeah, he's uber big. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, people think I'm a big guy. Like, I'm really not a big guy. I mean, I'm 200 pounds, but I'm not a big guy. Cotton was, like, 220 that Wednesday before the fucking weigh-ins. Damn. Yeah, and he made, I don't know how he made weight. But I was like, okay, I'm going to have advantage. He's going to be de- dehydrated and dried out, you know, for cutting 25 pounds overnight. What was the weigh-in at? Like, what 186. 186. 186. Okay. So what I like about Bellator is they check your weight, mandatory weight check in the morning and at night. So at the hotel, we had to go downstairs and check in and check our weight with somebody at between like 7 and 9 in the morning and then between like 7 and 10 p.m. at night. So you know where your weight's at and they know where your weight's at. That's why Bellator doesn't have people miss weight. Minus Ray Borg. Because they keep track of you all week of the okay. fight. That's why they're very good about that. And I'm pretty sure the UFC probably does it too. Because they really don't have people missing weight except for Chimayov. You know, because he shouldn't be fighting at 170. But um, I like the way they do that. Obviously, local promotions can't keep a whole fucking fight card for a week and, and lobby them up. Right. But that was really nice the way they did that. It helps take a lot of stress out of it. Because you get to use a professional scale. Okay. And you get to check it twice a day. You're not using your Walmart scale that's two pounds off. Right. And you're panicking because you're two pounds over. So, um, but yeah, the plan was to fight locally, get a couple fights, and then try to get in one of those shows. And then once I did that, I was good. I'm happy. Okay. But it went the other way around. I got called in for that right away on 10-day notice. And like I said, I couldn't turn that down. Let me ask you. So, you walk around 200, right? Mm-hmm. They want, so you get contacted 10 days later, you've got to make 186. Mm-hmm. Were you already, were you still 200 or were you floating somewhere in between there? Yeah, or? We, we all float a couple pounds every day and night. So if you wake up in the morning, you know, use the bathroom and then get on the scale in your birthday suit, you'll probably be about two pounds lighter than you were the night before. Okay. You should be. Depending on how much water you drink, you could, you could float up to four pounds. Um, but if, for me, it wasn't, I hadn't done a weight cut, obviously, in 13 years neither. And when I did weight cut, it was bad practices. 
I didn't eat for 10 days. I didn't drink for 10 days. And I'm still training. Like, you go look at my videos of me fighting back then. Yeah. I don't look like I do now. I look like shit back then. Now I look like a freak when I'm weighing in and I'm fighting. Uh, because we didn't have weight cutting practices, right? We didn't know what we were doing. So now that we know what we're doing, we can eat up to the fight. We can stay hydrated to the fight. You know right. what I mean? Or close to. I stop hydrating about 12 to 20 hours prior to the weigh-in. But I still sip on water because in order to... Uh, expel water from the body we have to give the body water right a lot of you have to have absorb this, it you have to uh, people have this misconception that you're going to get water you're going to deplete water even though you don't have water no once the body realizes you're not putting water into it it's going to shut the doors it's going to lock the doors it's not going to give you a fucking drop you can go walk in the mojave desert and you will not sweat one drop because that's the body's safety system to keep you alive right so if i put water in then it's gonna be like, okay cool we've got our water back we can give some water out but when it's not like that and we start forcing it the water comes from the brain the water comes from the kidneys the liver our organs so that's why guys that cut big weight they get knocked out really quick look at the guys that make big weight cuts okay they get knocked out pretty quick that's true never thought about it that way because there's always the science behind it because man. their brain doesn't have water their organs aren't prepared for that. So 10 days notice, what are you looking at for a cut? Are you having I'm to... not worried about the cut. You're not the, worried about the cut? The cut's cut. the least of my problems. Okay. I know I can make it. I used to cut 20 pounds in two days in a day. Oh, shit. So I'm like, oh, I can... This is easy. 15 pounds is not shit. I can do it. Yeah. I'm, I'm not worried about it. So we're worried more about the fight we're or what we're going to do? What we're going to do. We're worried okay. about the fight and what we're going to do. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. All right, man. So we get to... So the day before we do the we do the weigh ins and everything, how are you feeling? I feel good. I felt good. I looked good. Um, you I, looked in phenomenal shape, I man. He didn't I, even take his shirt off at weigh ins. I was watching, um, and I was just like, "This is this is crazy." I had to watch from my phone and, and yeah. pull everything up because yeah. I know you were busy, and I was just kind of following you on Instagram yeah. to see what was going on. Um, and I watched the fight too. I was sitting there, man. I was keyed in. I was. Yelling at my phone, like, you know, I'm one of <laughs> yeah. those guys, bro, where yeah. I was like, no, hey, we all do get it. off, Freddy. Yeah. Uh, no, we because we're a fan, of course. you know what of I mean? Course. And, uh, you know, but knowing you before that, I already knew where your mind was. Mm -hmm. And you always told me, you're like, Fernando, anytime I go into a fight, I'm always going to make sure that I'm protected. Of course. I'm not going to be one of those dudes that later down the road is all fucked up. Mm -hmm. um, so... When everything was going down and, you know, and I, I saw the way the fight went and everything, I was just like, that's Freddie. That's Freddie. I have Take kids care to come himself. home to. Exactly. I have kids to come home to. Um, I couldn't put myself in a situation. I could have got out of it. I could have got out of that. I could have. I could have. I could have pulled guard, taken two big shots because he was hitting fast and hard. I would have taken probably two, three shots to get guard. I would have hooked his arms up. And then I would have fought to get up. And I would have got on my feet. I'm confident uh, because I felt his strength. And I, I, that, was my, that was one mistake. I gave him too much credit for how strong I thought he was. And then when I, when I hit me with that knee in the chest and I dragged him across the cage, and I was like, what the fuck? He's not that strong. Yeah. Because I held him against the cage for how long? I was you, hold him, him, you held him there for a good I minute, man. I was expecting man. him to throw me off. But he didn't. So that's how I know I could have got up. I would have ate some shots. And then I was thinking, what comes after I get up? I've got nothing now. I've got no wind. I've got no cardio. I've got nothing. Right. What if I can't even defend myself? What if he takes me down and traps one of my arms? 
and I can't defend myself. And those 15 punches come down on my face. Right. Now I've got to come home to my kids with black eyes, a swollen eye, a broken orbital. You got a lot of bone in that nose, too, man. Last thing you want is a broken nose. I got a big nose. (laughs) I'm thankful it hasn't been broke yet. But, you know, I wasn't going to come home to my kids looking all fucking deformed for $6,000. Yeah. And that's what I got paid, $6,000. If I would have won, I would have got twelve. But I didn't see the twelve. I saw the six, and that was enough for me because I've never been paid that in my life. Right. The most I ever made was $2,500 for a fight. I've made made a lot off of ticket sales and commissions. Um... But just to get a check to fight for six thousand dollars, and I should have looked at the twelve and been like, "I need that twelve instead." Right. And I thought I had it when I hit that heel hook, but I got so happy that it worked. Yeah. Because that wasn't supposed to work. That Aminari roll was not supposed to work. You hear the announcer, "Oh, he just took a knee to the face." He's like, "No, he didn't. He had it planned." And we did. We planned that roll for three days. Yeah. We planned that role for three days in the fucking room. And it came through and in the match. And it came through, and I, I got so happy that I got the hook, I ripped through it, which blew his ACL. And I held it. If I had I held it two yeah. seconds, he would have tapped. And he was going to tap. I've got the slow images where he was reaching to tap. Because I let go. His adrenaline took over when I let go. Uh, so I he didn't feel you. the pain no more. Yeah, it was gone. It was gone. So he stacked on me. Shit. Yeah, lightning don't strike twice. Jeez. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Did you get the impression or any type of feeling that Bellator could be knocking out the door again? They told me, go get a couple fights and get down to 170. Ah, so Which is where I should be. Okay. That's where I should be. Middleweight worked for me back in the day because we didn't have cutting practices right. Now we've got guys that are 6 plus 2, 6, 3. 220 cutting to 185. I'm 5'9", 210 on a heavy, heavy day cutting to 185. Yeah. I give up my size for my strength, though. That's a trade-out I do. Okay. So I'll give up the size advantage because I'm going to be a little bit stronger than the bigger guy. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm okay with that. So 170, is that not something? No? It's not in the books? I don't think so. Okay. I don't know. I'd have to really dig in with Il Chino's and really strike down. And I love yeah. ice cream and pizza too much, dude. Okay. I got I, you, man. I do. I had ice cream the night before weigh-ins this last fight. Okay. I posted a little cup of ice cream. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, that's the trade-out, though. You have to give or give. You have to give. You have to give one way to take another way. Right. And me being able to do that, I'm not killing myself to make the weight. I was going to say 30-pound cut, man. That's That's pretty rough. And I could, I can do it. I've cut more than thirty pounds before, but I'm just, I'm, I'm a little more leaner these days, so it's a little harder to make those cuts. I got I you. I don't carry bad weight, and I don't know how you think I would with all the shit I eat. Oh, well, I mean, you're carrying a lot of mass on you now too, that's, man. Yeah, and muscle carries it, it, a lot of weight over fat. And it's crazy because I will look like a crackhead if I cut to 170. I was going to say, I will you would be sucked, yeah. man. Like and it's crazy because I'm 170 pounds of pure muscle. Yeah, I want to look like a sucked up crackhead. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I mean, never say never, right? I mean, it's it's not a never, but I don't see it happening right now. Okay. Well, not at 170 at least. No, 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 no. Okay. Right on, man. Well, we're going to keep our fingers crossed yeah. over here, man, because I, I definitely, I, I, I love, I love the story, man. I love, you know, being behind you and just watching this journey that you're yeah, going on because 
like I said, you you uh, I'll I'll probably repeat it on this podcast uh, multiple times, man. But you're a man of your word, and definitely appreciate that about someone, and have a lot of respect for that. Um, talk to me about the grappling because I know you've been doing uh some some matches where mm-hmm. where uh where you've been getting into this. So is this something that has been a long time coming no, no. or I didn't have any intentions of doing this. No. It was the only thing to do because I couldn't get a fight locally. Okay. So after COVID hit and all that when things calmed down, nobody was really throwing fights here. Hence why I had to go take that stupid fight in Bellator. Not stupid, but how I had to take that f- crazy fight in Bellator. Right. Because there was nothing going on. And then for me to get a fight here locally, it's like impossible. Now you're going to hear this from a lot of people, a lot of fighters. Oh, nobody wants to fight me. Nobody wants to fight me. It is true when I say that. And you can ask the promoters around here. Now go ask another promoter if so-and-so can't get a fight. They'll say, no, this is why so-and-so can't get a fight, because they want too much money. They don't want to fight this guy. They don't want to fight that guy. They want to fight this. They want to do this on their terms. Right. They want to pick and choose. They want to pick and choose. That's why they don't get nobody to fight them. You know, a lot of the guys fighting now, they're not from my era. They don't know me, but their coaches do. Their coaches fought when I fought. So maybe they don't want them stepping in there. Maybe they're like, "Eh, that's too risky. Right. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I've never heard explanations behind it. I mean, there's a couple guys that say they'll fight me, but they know they can't fight me. They can't. So they talk a lot of shit. Okay. I got you. One of them. I'm following you. Yeah. One of them being at a guy at 170. He knows I'm not. I can't make 170. So the thing was out there on the internet on Facebook. We need a fucking guy for 185 to fight Freddie Sandoval and Hobbs. This guy posts up. I'll take the fight at 170, not one pound over. Hey, dipshit, it's at 185. (laughs) And number two, they give us a free pound of allowance anyway. Yeah. So even if you did take it at 170, you've got to give me that pound. But he was adamant he wasn't going to take the pound allowance because he knows I'm not going to cut to 170. But you fought at 185 before. Why can't you fight me at 185? Yeah. Because he doesn't want it. Because he doesn't want it. He just wants to act like he wants it. Yeah. And then there's another guy that's an amateur from Hobbs. Okay, well, you've got the opportunity. We could do uh, we could do it to where it's um, an exhibition match, so it doesn't go on our records. We'll do it. We won't do we it. We don't get paid for exhibition matches. He wants to get paid to fight me. I got you. So he wants to have his cake and eat it too. And okay, I feel you, man. I got you. Ah, interesting. So, so that's why I have to go out of state and fight on these bigger shows. These. So this one right here that we're looking at right now that you posted in Corpus mm-hmm. Christi, mm-hmm. Um, it's a match for. Texas Catch Wrestling. Texas Catch Wrestling. Coalition. What are we doing here? What is what Making is this weight. one? Making weight. Okay. And this Texas uh Texas Catch Wrestling Coalition mm-hmm. is this Bubba Flores. He's a high level uh, grappler himself. Okay. From Texas. So this is grappling. Yes, it's all grappling okay. in a cage, submission only. Okay. And catch wrestling. Hence the name Texas Catch Wrestling. So that's Bubba right there. He's a very high-level guy under uh, one of the Gracies, Carlson, I think. Um, so he does these shows. He refed my very first grappling match ever in Carlsbad when I won my first belt. Okay. So he liked the way that I was, and he liked what I did in the cage, so he offered me to go out to his promotion and fight for his belt. Okay. So he puts me up against a kid that's got, Jesus, man, a ton of matches, higher belt than me. Um, 
little smaller guy. The guy fights now. He's an amateur MMA fighter at 170, Jake Christensen. He's a good friend of mine now, actually. Um, but I almost beat the shit out of him. If you watch that match, you've seen all the crazy shit. It looked like a WWE show at the end of the fight. Yeah. Um, me trying to fight his whole team right here. <laughs> so he thought he won, and he was pissed when he lost. And this is a submission only they made that very clear in the rules. This is not Dude's a point. Dude looks like he's wearing his underoos, man. Yeah, yeah. He's wearing no. Those are his homies' underwear. What? Yeah, those are his homies' underwear. Okay. So, anyways, he's <laughs> grappled for them a lot. He grapples a lot. Um, his head coach used to be a coach out here at Jackson's. He's from Tenth Planet Austin. So this was weird too because I'm I was Tenth uh, Planet Albuquerque when this happened, and he's Tenth Planet Austin. So they, my coaches were a little upset because they didn't want Tenth Planet going against each other. So I don't care. Um, so, um, it was, it was funny cause they still make jokes today because all this shit started after this. And I told him I'll beat his ass and this and that cause his friends and all his partners were there talking shit. I'm in yeah. their state by myself. You know, I got two of my homies. That's it. Uh, they're got their whole team there. They're talking shit. I was like, well, I'll beat his ass in the cage. Go get the glove. They're like, you don't want that. And I'm like, oh, I do. And then one of the guys is trying to comment. and say, Hey, we're all 10 P we're all 10 P we're all 10 P it's cool. We're all from 10 P. And I was like, no, fuck you. I'm from the hood. Motherfucker. <laughs> and so I still get jokes made about that today. They're like, yeah. he's from the hood. Leave him alone. <laughs> and uh, so he's actually an undefeated welterweight in Fury. He's Fury's welterweight champion. Shout out to him right there, Jay Christensen. Uh, he's a really good dude, man. He's very high level. Okay. So this is where he made a mistake. He knew he was grappling me for three months. I knew I was grappling him for three months. I did my homework because that's what you do. You do your homework. Right. Even if it's a grappling match, you do your not just a fight. So I saw that he had been winning a lot of matches. He won like his last 50 matches with heel hooks. Okay. So I went to learn how to defend heel hooks for three months. I practiced and brought in all the badasses in New Mexico to do heel hooks and defend them. Not to do them, but to defend them. And I defended them. I still messed up my knee a little bit. Like the last part of the fucking match, I barely turned my knee. and So it hurt coming home on the plane the next day. But, uh, but I beat him. And, uh, yeah, he went on. He started his amateur MMA career. He's 4-0. He's the welterweight champ for Fury. So he's doing pretty big things, man. I'm very proud of him. He moved down from the East Coast to uh, Austin to get ready for basically what's known as the, um, I think, like the ADDC trials, which is, it's the Olympics of Jiu-Jitsu is why he went. He moved down there to train for, okay. for this promotion. So is... Catch wrestling, so you'll have to educate me here. It might be a stupid question. No, or, no questions are stupid. Um, catch wrestling, is that another form of Brazilian jiu-jitsu? It's or? not a form of jiu-jitsu. There's, it's like high school wrestling almost. Okay. But there's slams and throws kind of like the WWE wrestling. Okay. Now there's not clotheslines and shit like that. Right. And, but there is slams. Nothing off the ropes, off no. the cage. <laughs> you can do off the cage. Like, you can bounce off the cage if, you know, you can find the give. You can, yeah. No, like, I've seen it before. Okay. But, like, you can jump off and then jump into something, for sure. Um, but uh, it, it's it's just a mix. There's more slams involved. Okay. Um, so this, this actually was a unique match. Um, again, this was only my second match ever. So this was unique in the fact that it was two pins or two submissions, first to two, or I think it was seven minutes and then two-minute overtime or four-minute overtime. Seven-minute round and then four-minute overtime, I think. So whoever gets the first two submissions, first two pins, or one of each wins. Okay. Um, I held him on his back the whole time, took him down. 
I didn't get no pins or no submissions. Neither of us did. But I won because I had control the whole time. Okay. Because I controlled him. Yeah. So I ended up winning the, winning the belt. He thought he won because he was going off of all the shit that he had been doing where you get points. If you attempt a submission in Naga, they give you two points. Okay. If you hold a position for X amount of seconds, you get a point. So because he tried to throw submission after submission, but I shut him down. He got points. He thought he got points. So that's why he thought he won. Okay. Um, but because I controlled him and, and then in sudden death, I took him down and controlled him again. He thought he won. Um, so that was really unique. To that, to that instance. What's, um... Because getting two submissions in a match is hard. In seven minutes, it's hard. I was going to say, I mean, you're you're using your will, and you're holding someone down, you know, and you're... I mean, I mean, you got to be countering what he's doing, right? Mm-hmm. Even even holding him down and, and, and uh, you know, wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the physicality like that, man? Like, do you feel any different from an MMA fight to... Um, to this afterwards so this all this stuff this in my first match doing them inside of a cage helped me prepare for my fights okay it helped me prepare for my mma fights in the fact that i got to walk out like you walk out they do the music you do the back stuff you get to get hyped up you know what i mean you're in the cage they announce you by your names all that stuff so the cool thing is that's what happens okay um, right on man so so that kind of helped prepare for it all. Um, but yeah, no. Um, yeah, it's the same. You're okay. just not getting punched. But it's the same shitty feeling. Because it's a shitty feeling when you're in there sweating, breathing hard. And you're like, if I let this guy up, he's going to hit me or he's going to choke me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, but that helps. Because there's no strikes in this or no. anything like that, no. right? Okay. Now, there is a ju- there is combat jujitsu now where you can slap. I've seen this. Yeah, I won't do that. Um but you can you can open palm strikes, not slap. Sorry, they call it open palm strikes. You can open palm strike your opponent. Okay, I don't know about that one. I don't. I, do it. I can't get slapped. <laughs> I couldn't do it. They pay those people on that slap in a white slapping thing two thousand dollars. Yeah, I would not get slapped for two thousand dollars. Right. Yeah, that's a yeah. And then uh, he makes the news too for <laughs> yeah, right. Slapping for, his wife. yeah for slapping his wife. Jesus. What a dude. Uh, man, wow. Oh, dude. Well. Freddie, there's more that we can cover. Um, I'm hoping we can make this maybe like a part two, part three yeah, series, yeah. if you're cool with that. Yeah, I am. Definitely. Um, there's a lot more that I want to get oh, out yeah. of you, and I know there's a lot more that we haven't covered, man. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot out there. Like I said, there's a lot of backstory. Um, you know, not very many people know it. You know, so those that do, you know, it's it excites them and it's interesting to them. You know, you know a lot of it. Not all of it, but a lot of it, you know. So, right. Um, once you start getting into the deeper details of it, it gets a little more interesting, and you know. And I think that's another reason why I have the support I have in the community with people. You know, I was pretty bummed about this last fight, and you know, everybody was behind me, and I was like, what the fuck? and they're like, I don't care if you win or lose. You know, it's because of the person that you are. Oh yeah. So, hearing those type of things, um, you know, it's it does something different. You. Some of the, I, even I love, dude, where you come on. It's very uh, Johnny Tapia esque. Um, I we all love Johnny, yeah. you know what I mean, and you know, God rest his soul. But after the fights, man, I was watching the video and you coming out and you speaking and everything, and and I love it, dude. The there was no excuses. It was all from the heart. Mm-hmm. You know, you 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 told everybody. You just and. And I, I mean, I even put a message out there, dude, and I'm just like, dude, don't ever discredit yourself for what yeah. you've been doing. Yeah. And, you know, don't forget 
where you came from yeah. because that road has been extremely long for you, man. There's a there's been a lot of turns for you, a lot of mountains you've yeah. climbed, but you've climbed them. Yeah. You know? And and you're here, you're living proof. And I mean, if that doesn't motivate somebody, I don't know what will. Uh, yeah, I don't I, I couldn't tell you either. And it's it's all that all that stuff was preparation for today. That's what I tell myself. Absolutely. All of that was preparing me for something today. Because at the time I was like, what the hell is this happening for now? Yeah. But it was preparing me for this. You know, and even this lesson, this was a lesson this weekend. This was a lesson this weekend that lit a different fire inside of me that I didn't know I had. And, you know, uh, it's going to be, um, it's going to be bad for, for the next, the next person. I love it, man. Fighter's mentality. It's coming. Yep. And whoever it is, uh, may God watch over you. Yeah, they're going <laughs> to need it for sure. Oh, man. Well, Funkaholics, I hope you guys enjoyed this whole conversation and getting into the mind of a fighter, getting into the mind of a trainer also getting into the mind of Freddie Sandoval with Sandoval fighting systems. I guys, uh, I am the hair is rising on my arms right now because I know there's going to be more opportunities where we get to talk with Freddie and we get to just, you know, shoot the shit and, Mm -hmm. you know, get, get this guy's story out here. But, um, Freddie, can you let the Funkaholics listeners know on, how they can get in contact with you, and then also what they would be looking at by uh, signing up the channel. And then also, can we get a, a shout-out to uh, El Chino Mills? Yeah, definitely. Big shout-out to Ricky at El Chino Mills. If you guys are looking to get your diet and your nutrition back on track or get on track in the first place, um, listen, everybody's got to eat. Whether you go buy fast food, whether you go buy groceries, everybody has to eat. You're going to spend money spend it and get the most out of it by going over and getting these meals. And I don't get paid to speak on this. I don't get nothing. I speak on it because I truly and wholeheartedly believe in them. And I believe in what the meals have done for my life. Like I said, they allow me to keep my nourishment up and they keep the right amount of protein in me to keep my muscle. They provide the right amount of carbs to keep me training hard and for my recovery um, and the food tastes phenomenal. People think eating good and, and getting healthy is eating bland chicken and rice and vegetable, and it's not. He's got enchiladas. He's got Hawaiian burgers. He's got carne asada sweet fries. He's got sweet potato tot breakfast bowls with gravy and cheese and bacon and sausage. He's got all kinds of ramen bowls, rice bowls, fish, you name it. He's even got uh, these uh, peanut butter bars. They're my favorite. They taste like Reese cups. Okay. But they're 40-some grams of protein. Wow. And they're fucking healthy. <laughs> He's got banana nut bread. He's got strawberry shortcake bread. He's got blueberry muffins. He's got carrot cake. You name it. I'm not going to lie, man. There's times where I'm watching these videos, and I'm like, how the fuck is this guy I, eating I, all this? It I looks forgot. amazing. And, he, and we had some and extra he looks meals. amazing. I know. And we had some extra meals, and I forgot to bring them. Dude, I was already halfway on the freeway. I was like, shit, I should have grabbed those <laughs> meals for you. I'm going to keep some and take them to, you, to your work or meet you tomorrow. I have some extra in the fridge, though, for you. Um, so you can try them out. But they are phenomenal. It's got all your macros on them. And uh, you can't beat the pricing. And the, the, best, the best thing about buying these meals even if you spend 100 bucks a week, you're going to eat healthy all week. But you just save three, four hours from shopping, sitting in a line at Chick-fil-A, and cooking your own food. Again, this goes back to what I said at the beginning. We cannot put a price on time. So if you're going to waste three hours cooking, 
That's three hours you can spend with your kids, with your dog, with your family, with your wife, your husband, your family, your kid, doing what you enjoy instead of cooking. Yeah. You're going to spend that money anyway to buy the groceries. Why not just buy the meals that are ready? They put in the microwave in two minutes and they're done. So you can check them out on ilchinomills.com. Um, you can go all social media platforms, Il Chino Mills on Instagram. And he's got a store right there. It's the old subway behind the courthouses on Lomas and 6th Street. You'll see the wrappings on the window, Il Chino Mills. He's open all day, I think every day. Uh, so stop in, get some meals. Tell him Freddie Sandoval sent you, and he'll hook you up with a, with a cool discount. Um, yeah, definitely. Definitely got love for that man and his food, man, for sure. Um, but you guys can find me on Instagram at Sandoval underscore F-I-I-T. That's S-A-N-D-O-V-A-L underscore F-I-I-T. And I'm on um, Facebook, Freddie Sandoval. And I think my picture up there is uh, the picture of me from the Best of the City magazine. Uh, so you'll see. It's a, I got a big beard. You'll see me. Um <laughs> And I got the El Chino shirt on because uh, I've I've got to represent that company because they are one they are one hundred hundred and ten percent. Like I said, I don't get paid from him. Do he sponsor me for my fights? Yes, he does for my fights. But I buy my meals just like everybody else because I believe in them. Uh, even the kids are getting hooked on them now. Right on. Like both my kids eat them now. So uh, she says, "Oh, well, the meatloaf don't taste like Granny's, but." It's still good. Still good. It's still good. It's not Granny's, but it's still good and it's healthy, <laughs> you know. Um, so go check them out. Check me out on Instagram, Facebook. You can get me there. Um, you can send me messages. Contact me. Um, and uh, I do free consultations all the time. Whatever works for your schedule, we'll get your free consultations set up. Talk about your goals, where you want to be, where you've been. Um, I do weight checks, measurement checks, body fat checks. Because the biggest thing is accountability. Yes. You've got to have somebody to hold you accountable. Because I'm sorry, people, we can't hold ourselves accountable. Mm -mm. I'm living proof. Yeah. How many times have you told yourself, (laughs) okay, Monday I'm going to start the gym at 7 o'clock. And then 7 o'clock comes and snooze. I'll do it next Monday. But if you say, hey, Fred, I want you to come over at 1 o'clock so we can do this, you'll be here at 1 o'clock. Or if you say, hey, I'll take you you lunch tomorrow at 2 o'clock, you'll bring me lunch. You'll do for others, but you won't do for yourselves. And that's all of us. All of us. Very true. It's the same for me, too. I have to hire a trainer for myself, especially during camp, to get me pushing and to, to get me going. So it's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, if you're overweight, it doesn't matter. If you've never worked out and you're inexperienced, it does not matter. It does not matter. So, um, the hardest journey is, is the hardest part of the journey is making that first, that first call and that first step to the door. Once you do that, the rest is easy. It's easy from there. You know, um, I do workouts tailored for each person, each individual person, because everybody's different. Everybody's goals are different. So I do an individual workout designed for that person, and it's broken up in phases. Um, I don't prescribe diets because I don't believe in diets. What's the first three letters of that word? Die. Thank you. So um, I'm not a person of diets. I do encourage my clients to get on the El Chino meals, and they get a very healthy discount for doing that also. Because he wants to support growth in people. He wants to see people become better versions of themselves. So he's willing to take a cut to make sure you can eat right. I love that. So That's, You don't see that? No, no, you don't. No other trainer is going to give you what, what, what I give you. No other trainer is going to give you what you can get at this gym. I can assure you. And there's a reason why I took number one this year. I've been in the top five the past two years since I started personal training. Um, but I cracked that number one because I really started to dig in and dig down. And, uh, and I'll keep it. I'll keep it for as long as I want. But it, it it's cool to have it. It's nice to have it up there. But 
I don't need that recognition from that. I know I'll get it from my clients and helping people and the smiles that are on their faces when they can do one push-up, as crazy as that sounds. Some people's goal is to do one push-up, one proper push-up. And when they do it, they start crying. You know, to see somebody get into their pants that they hadn't worn in 10 years, that's a fucking win for me. Yeah. I hear you, man. And, guys, Freddie's not lying when he's when his heart and soul is in this. I have a neighbor, Antonia. Mm-hmm. Um, she was one of Freddie's clients, and I cannot tell you, dude. There was multiple times <laughs> she come outside, and I'm like, damn, Antonia, what's going on over here? You're looking good. Yeah. And she's like, Freddie Sandoval. And then it was crazy. The moment I heard the name, I'm like... <laughs> Okay, I gotta I gotta reach out to somebody, <laughs> yep. but it's all there. Freddie, definitely thank you, man, for giving Appreciate us a time today and and being in here. Um, I know we're gonna be doing more. Yeah, definitely. Uh, this whole community thing that you're doing too, I want to get involved with it. Whatever we can do on our Hell end, yeah. I I'm always doing things for the dogs because yep. I love the dogs. So you know we do those things, yep. but. Uh, this is this is the podcast where we talk about what we love, and right now we love us from Freddie Sandoval, man. So, oh, yeah. dude, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Um, I can't thank you enough. And like I said, you know, we'll get some more out there, but uh, right now time gets away from us when we yep. talk about what we love. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's all we got for you today. We will be back very soon. We're going to bring back some more of Freddie. We're going to get more of his story out there, guys, and uh, and we're going to bring it to you. So we definitely appreciate Freddie being us, you know, being the one allowing us to get this story. And uh, I promise you, you will you'll want to listen every mm-hmm. second. Um, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, five star rating that always helps us. If you are listening on Spotify or any other one, we're everywhere, guys. You don't have to look far to download us. Um, if you want a discount code at checkout on popple.co, that's P-O-P-L dot co, uh, put in Funkaholics. You'll, Funkaholics Pod, I'm sorry. F-U-N-K-A-H-O-L-I-K-S, you'll get that discount. Uh, guys, we'll be back very soon. Freddie's got me motivated, man. I might go run a mile. We'll see what happens. <laughs>